You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. I don't know. George us and the Boogeyman. The edge of space. No cavalry in sight. I have to keep digging. I'm with Starfleet Intelligence, but they are blind to something big. Battle stations. You left the second Jean-Luc called and put half a galaxy between us. With yourself. Forcing this chaos. God damn it, Lord! The suffering. On your crew. You're not your family. Yes, they are. You taught me that. Fearful be the man or beast that stands in my way. Hey, kid, throw me one of those plasma charges. It will be what it always was. Attempts on your life. What if it's like achieved? We need to go. The forge. Gun it. I think we should boldly get the hell out of here. Engage. Everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today I have James once again joining me, and we are going to talk about Star Trek, all the different incarnations of Star Trek that we are currently in the process of watching and digesting. And man, there's a lot of Star Trek around these days. Not too long ago, there was a drought of Star Trek, and now we have a overflowing cup of Star Trek. Some shows are actually already finishing. Some new shows are beginning. Some shows have been announced. So there's lots and lots of it going around. And this time around, I have James helping me going over these things. So let's get started with Star Trek. Television is not the truth. Television is an amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. Okay, we have James here. Say hi, James. Hello, hello. James is making another guest appearance, as he did uh, two episodes ago. Today, we are going to be talking about Star Trek. Specifically, we're going to talk about Picard, because I was a little late in finishing the show. James finished it a a little bit ago, but we are going to touch upon some of the other Star Trek franchises that are out there that are in the works or just finished or still chugging along. But this particular one, this particular Picard one, really, really did something special this last season, which 
man, did they like really hit it out of the park when it came to balancing the what today would be considered the nostalgia and the entertainment, you know, w- without feeling that they're, you know, you're pandering too much to the fanboys. I mean, to me, it was just fantastic. It had these peaks and valleys of storylines and it was like everybody got their turn and everything worked out fine. But Let's start a little before that, because the renaissance of Star Trek, really, if you think about it, after the J.J. films kind of went away, and they were still trying, you know, to do something else. At one point, I think Tarantino was, like, slated to maybe write and direct one, and that kind of went away. And the possibility of another J.J.-inspired film, then that kind of went away. And then, as time went on, we started hearing about Discovery, and... Discovery, believe it or not, we are waiting for the fifth season. And that's a show that, to me, it was great because of the fact that it was film quality. In other words, the stuff we were seeing on film, that you know, the special effects anyway, they were just, uh, to me, they were out of this world. I mean, and, and I particularly, my favorite season is still the first season. And I know that's a very controversial season because there was the typical fanboy outrage of the, the Klingons don't look like Klingons. And oh my God, they redesigned them again and blah, blah, blah. I love that storyline. What did you think of the first season? And I agree. I'll be quick. I love the original series. I like the Next Generation. I love the movie era. I love the Next Generation movie era. And I like most of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, stuff like that. So by the time JJ stuff comes, I like the first one. I really don't care for Into Darkness, although I did see in the theater, I just kind of lost my, it lo- I feel lost its way. And I really do like Star Trek Beyond. A lot of people, that one, think fell off and lost its way into that one, and I thought it had a good future. Unfortunately, it looks like it, it's ending there. So when we did hear about Discovery, it felt like it had the potential to be a, a modern prequel sort of like Enterprise was back. Enterprise had to look good because it was in the 2000s, but it was supposed to happen before the original series. Same thing in this situation. It's past Enterprise, but before the original series, Kirk's 60s original series. So you and I, I know specifically, were giddy about it because of the ship and the the origins of that ship and the... uh, the, the pedigree. That's like catnip for us. Anything yeah. that's weird and old concept that never made it or something like that, we go yeah, crazy it goes over that. Back, it goes back to like the Macquarie stuff when we found that kind of yeah. stuff out of, uh, out of Rebels and a couple of the – and even even the uh, JJ sequels had some, some stuff that had come back from the dead or from the uh, archives. And yeah. so just like you, I agree. I had waited on the Discovery for most of it to exist, to somehow be out there. A friend let me use his uh, Paramount Plus, said he liked it. He had good feelings about it, and I watched it. And I got sucked right in. I liked it a lot. I liked Giorgio. I liked the whole mirror concept that we hadn't, we didn't know it was going to yeah. end up to be a situation like that. But it turns out that that, that had a lot of a lot of stuff going on that I liked. And, and the Klingons didn't bother me, too, because, again, You've got to freshen things up for a newer audience, even though otherwise, you know, it's it's like any of these series, you know, back in the 60s when they did stuff, it was cardboard and plywood. You don't want to have that now. You want to have people feel that it's for them, even though you kind of have to give a little bit in terms of special effects, the makeup processes, just the designs. It's going to be people want to put their own stamp on it. So I didn't hate it. 
I don't want it to be like all of a sudden something that happened 20 years before Kirk was so ridiculously magical that it could never fit in. But I thought it fit in enough in a way. If, if this is stuff that was happening, we were on the Enterprise. We saw the basics of that. That was what we saw. So all this other stuff could have been happening, could have been in the past. And as it turned out, they did actually make a good a reason why we didn't see Discovery in Kirk's era. You know, it, it, they did write it in, so it did make sense eventually. Yeah, and the show kind of went through its seasons. And like I said before, we're still waiting for the next one. It did go, like you said, through that mirror, mirror, which I, I hate to say this, but whenever they go into mirror, mirror world in any of these shows, I really don't like it. I'm not a fan of mirror, oh, mirror world. But I do, I do like it, and I do like that intrigue. How, oh, so it was easy for, like, I know in the original mirror, mirror, Spock said to Kirk or something like whatever the line was that you're able to hide your dark side, but the good side was harder to come out through the evil side or something mm -hmm. like that. But this played against that. And I just started to like all the characters. I gave them a chance. They, you know, there are elements of it and there are people that didn't love it, that picked on it. It came out at a time where maybe people felt that they were trying to do the message or whatever. And I don't even know what the message was, but I liked having Star Trek. That was a ship in space with a crew that I could get to know and like, and most of the people on the crew I liked, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the things that the people did. So by the end of that season, I felt like we got, like you said, a movie quality show. Yeah. We got a, uh, we got an intriguing script that went in a lot of different directions, but came out at a place where I could live with. And then we had the surprise cliffhanger right at the very, very end of that first season that blew my mind. And again, it wasn't exactly what everybody thought they wanted, but sometimes you can't get what you want only because, again, the special effects wouldn't look good. I know how Enterprise dealt with it, and they CGI'd the original series Enterprise and stuff like that. But people are younger now. A new audience of 20-year-olds is not going to feel the same way that 50-year-olds who saw it or 60-year-olds who saw it originally because they don't have the same feeling. Even if they've watched all those series, even if they had everything on VHS or on, on Paramount Plus or wherever they saw it, I think it's okay sometimes that a ship can look better, and but you just have to suspend your disbelief that it's the same ship. It's going to be the same ship. Just live with it. You know what I mean? And the modern sets and the modern looks. Uniforms might be slightly different, but they're the same colors and the schemes are pretty close to what it would have been had we had super money and technology in <laughs> 1966 and 7 and 8. And no kidding. One of the things that the uh, the show also did, which it was a little predictable, was that the, you know, the fan outrage, not just in terms of the... Um, the Klingon aesthetic, uh, like I said before, creating a completely new one, a little more on the JJ side of, of his aesthetic, you know, going, getting away from the next generation or even the uh, motion picture aesthetic and making them a little more lizardly, I guess, if you could say, you know, all practically yeah. no hair. And, but this had also that twist of the secret agent, which was totally a great twist on the whole story of, of see who was the uh, who was the traitor and you know amongst the group and because this was also one of these shows where they decided to have the lead character being a woman and a woman of color of course that ruffled a few feathers along the way and I think the show had to adjust to some of the criticism that it got you know I would have preferred that they 
stay the course in terms of you want to stick with Klingons? Stick with Klingons. Give me I more think Klingons. Like halfway through, like almost as if the show did a complete reset at one. Almost point. as if they had a plan for. We we talked about this. First seasons tend to yeah aim it was about thirteen episodes or so, and then and then if it's successful, they can either expand upon that or yeah. regroup or go in a just go full forward. And yeah, this one felt like it was two arcs, right? With a little bit of other stuff thrown in in that season. Yeah, yeah. And like I was saying, the uh, the show switched gears. Now, I don't know if they switched gears because of the fan reaction or if they switched gears because it was part of the plan, like we were like we were just saying. But the cool thing that happened with the show that really was bizarre was that before we got to that midpoint, yes. they introduced Captain Pike as a character, which really blew everybody away because that actor was so good, you know, and they, you know, they used him a little bit. And everybody started screaming, hey, that that's what we want. Can you do something with that? And I'm going to assume that it had to be the reaction of people wanting that show is why we ended up getting at the tail end of this whole thing, Strange New Worlds. Well, that was a fantastic actor. Yeah. He's got a lot of good attributes, a handsome range, personality. People just like him in, as a human being on and off the screen. And I was thrilled because I've always felt obviously because Pike was only part of the pilot, but I always part that was a whole era that of this story that we would never ever get to see because obviously it happened, right. the guy died. It's it's just sad. Well I felt like, you know what? This is gonna be great. And then we can have two series going on and one series is more of something we never had an idea what and the other one is our beloved enterprise. So they can in they can come in and out of each other's stories and, and still have their own adventures uh, with their individual crews. And then they wound up actually working together quite a bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then and the, second, the second season was a very elaborate connection of both crews uh, or some of both crews. Right. And as I said before, once we got to that midpoint, the show switched. It kind of jumped into the future for a, a number of reasons, technical, you know, uh, scientific and, you know, a whole bunch of reasons. The bottom line is that the show now is technically, I think, the most advanced time-wise yes, it's never- for the Star Trek timeline that we've dealt with so far. And that's what I alluded to a little bit. They found a way. Why would we have never heard of Discovery? Why, you know, people who are very adamant. And trust me, I'm very adamant right. about timeline. It's a way of hiding it, yeah. I'm not <laughs> so in love with canon that it, other things couldn't have been happening that we just didn't know about. But I did like that they sent them away. It was a secret type of thing that was the, it's like the arc. It was, it was locked that the story of Discovery in the Kirk, right. Kirk era. Pike Kirk era was locked away in the vault and put in the storage. Not only the ship, but also yeah, the mention yeah. of Spock having a system. Yeah, we'll never, we'll never speak of any of that again for right. for Starfleet reasons, you know, for military reasons, for scientific reasons, and it works. The characters in the regular Star Trek world that we're going to talk about don't know it. They don't know that they blew up, they died. Who knows? We never know what happened, but they know what happened, and they know the past, and they know what you know became of everything. And I think at some point they've made reference two things that have happened in the past and eventually they show ships that are next generation future generations of ships that we all knew yeah exactly now as the show got popular and i'm not talking about the end like in the fourth or the upcoming fifth season i'm talking about you know maybe after the first or second season they already started making plans and not only was 
Strange New Worlds a possibility. And one of the reasons that it, it worked is because if you remember in between seasons during Discovery, they used to have these things called short treks. Yeah. I think they were short they treks. They were awesome. And, they, and they, they've actually capitalized them on the things we're going to right. discuss today. We, they, they didn't just throw them in there and waste them. They actually... Be- right. And they did use Pike, I think, for one of those short treks. Sure. They used New Spock and New Number One. And then they actually used, yeah. uh, they used the events that led into Picard in a couple of... Oh, exactly. at, least, at least one very important one. Right. That's something I wish they would have continued, but I guess they, at some point, they had so many shows in the pipeline that they kind of realized they could not keep all those fires burning because these were like little, like what, three, four, five yeah, minute movies. Very good quality. And also, I mean, there was a couple fun ones, but they were very good quality. And one, the one that involves le- the leading into that one, but the one that leads into the <laughs> card one. That eventually would lead into the Picard storyline. Very the, moving, the, right, very, the, very, very emotional. If you think about, yeah, very nine eleven ish kind of feel to out, it. It starts out very, you know, like oh, people, the, com- the competitive girls. Yeah, and next thing you know, it's like oh, the world changed for them, you know, whatever. And uh, it, you know, it, it, it felt if yeah, I felt it, you know, by the end, and it's only six seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as this is happening, they're they're giving us these short tricks. They also start to kind of come up with a plan. All right. You know what? We we part of the storyline of Discovery involves Section Thirty One and Jujou, and this secret like militaristic organization behind the scenes that we've seen before in classic Trek. You know, yeah, the DS Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So they did announce that they were going to do a show about her being part of that because some of these characters are now part of that, according to to what we saw in the storyline. Now that didn't happen technically right away but recently they announced or i think michelle yo after she won the oscar yeah she put out a tweet i think saying that she's still going to be doing not an i don't think it's a series but i think it's maybe like a two or three part tv movie and or that something. would be actually better than having another series in that direction because that's yeah. a lot of work and it's a lot of material that they may not be able to stand, hold up with with an actress of that caliber you don't want to half-ass it and it's great that she's like, because she's an Oscar winner now. She could just tell everybody to F off. <laughs> but, but I like the fact loyal. that she's kind of loyal yeah. because the, that show gave her a lot of traction and it, it gave her other jobs, I'm sure. And it's cool that she's willing to continue with it. Now, this is a Bond woman. I don't want to say Bond girl anymore, but this is a Bond woman. <laughs> she's, she's got Hong Kong and Chinese street cred. She's got- um, Oh, she's got tons she's and got tons. Bond, she's a Bond character, which that goes with somebody forever and ever. She's a Star Trek. She's part of that genre. She's uh, an Oscar winner for, you know, and, and she takes a lot of chances with other, other stuff. I think she's got a Disney series now that is uh, called American Born Chinese. And yep. there's a lot on her plate, but it did, it did make me feel good that she stayed loyal to uh, her commitment or to her interest. Yeah. And because, and I say that, yes, the way you said it, a shorter, either a shorter couple episodes or a TV movie type of situation, kind of like how uh, it would be fine if it was a shorter thing. But I like that they didn't take away from – because they could have easily – well, COVID happened and a couple other bad things happened. But they could have taken away the opportunity of um, Strange New Worlds. And that was something I really wanted and a lot of fans really wanted because the Enterprise yeah. is near and dear to almost all Star. No matter how much you like Discovery or Deep Space Nine or Voyager, the Enterprise – 
is at the mall. You know, it's still the uh, heart of Star Trek. What happened on the yes. Adventures of the Enterprise? It doesn't have to be just Kirk or Spock, but the Enterprise itself really has to be a character somewhere in in the world of Star Trek as it's happening. Yep. The other thing that was thrown around a little bit and it kind of got completely sidelined was the possibility of a maybe miniseries having to do with Khan, you know, after or before yeah. he's found in Wrath of Khan. I feel like that was wishful thinking yeah. and some people who were into it didn't stay with it or it didn't, uh, well, didn't have I think Nicholas legs. Meyer actually put some work into like the writing of it, but it never got past that. It was never greenlit to, you know, take to series. So it's something that popped up and then just kind of went away again. Then while all that's happening, a surprise pops up one day and it's Patrick Stewart's interested in something. Mm -hmm. And then we have the beginning of the whole Picard series, which, you know, it's the return of Patrick Stewart, which is, again, this, this is your top tier <laughs> person. Last time we saw him in that character was in, in Nemesis, which was... Not quite an Oscar winner, but the gravitas oh, yeah. of, in his career now. He's not just some working actor in, in a TV series in the 80s. Now he's done enough and he's got a lot of street cred and he's got a lot of respect. So if he's interested, which I heard it was his idea, yeah. it was something that he said, I'm interested, I'm ready. And look, a lot of people had problem. We've done shows on it. A lot of people had problem with Nemesis and Insurrection. I don't. I like them. I know what they are. They're of that era. We have. That's all you have of that. So if you like those characters, that's all you have. You can complain all you want. But I wanted more. I felt they deserved something. And I knew it wasn't going to be like, okay, get the gang back together and we're going to ride a, a Enterprise E or whatever. But I wanted more of that and I wanted the hope because everybody doesn't stick together. Even you and I, we've known each other for however many years, but we barely see each other and we talk and text a lot, but we don't, we're not like hanging out on, you know, on each other's couch or starship, which would make sense for people in that world that Picard might not be holding hands with Riker and Troy and Jordy for the rest of his life, even if they did love each other in, in that world. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got it that they might not be in it, but I did want to hear about them or 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 maybe see a, an episode once in a while. And uh, I think that's what we eventually got originally. Right. And I'm sure without Discovery, Patrick Stewart probably would not even suggest it, if that's the true story, of doing this. I think the Discovery gave it enough cred, the ability yeah. to prove that, listen, we can put out this high quality, you know, Star Trek show, you know, forget Enterprise. This is a different world we're dealing with here when it comes to special effects and cinematography and, and the way that the stories are written, that it's something that I'm sure help in getting him involved and he was also able to or the, at least the showrunners of the show were able to add a couple of favorite characters you know not the entire crew we didn't get the entire crew at first we got them in little drips and drabs you know throughout the first and second season and i was fine with that i was happy with that i was happy to have something right and the storylines you know they kind of mixed it up usually the entire season would would have like two or three waves of stories and one story would lead to the next story and so forth and so forth data was in it or well he needed some closure too because of the way that character ended. right he died but before or, or what, what did they really before call it? The, yeah it was the, before <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't remember if that was in our, in our joke or the real no, character so it did to, to some people, that was a joke. It's yeah. like, okay. But then they extrapolated that character in novels and comic books oh, yeah. that eventually he became the data again. He became the data with the. But this negated some of that, but it was okay how they did it. He was 
on a different plane. He was in a different, I wouldn't call it dimension, right, but, but, but he was, also you know, on, the computer, but, on the computer level. But Brent Spiner also got to play different versions of, of Dr. Singh, you know, the, the different Soong Soong song. songs. Dr. Right, Soong. like like throughout history, there were different versions of the doctor and some of them were like kind of like evil kind of doctor and that kind of stuff. And at one point, we even got to a season where it kind of ended with technically Picard dies, but they kind of transfer his mind into these new robotic human, almost replicant, dare I say, you know, completely human looking uh, vessels. And that's kind of what we're dealing with in the third season. Yeah, that part at the time rubbed me a little like, okay, they wrapped that up a little bit too fast, but okay. Nobody knew what was going to come, if there was going to be more exactly how it was going to shake out. And there was not a full-blown team with a plan. They had a couple different showrunners at the time and a couple between CBS and Paramount were kind of remerging or fighting still. And so they couldn't do everything the way they wanted. I was happy in that first season. They respected the end of Nemesis and did go forward. I was happy that they sort of respected the part of JJ's world that involved Prime Spock yeah. with the Romulan homeworld eventually destroyed. It's got destroyed. And uh, so they showed that and the consequences of that, which is like a 9-11 situation for the Romulans and how Picard felt very strongly about helping the refugees and fix that. And, you know, that kind of made it more topical for modern day storylines involving refugees and people of, you know, without a home or without a good home, at least in the world. And I didn't know what to expect from season two. They also went pretty heavy on, I would say, the first two seasons on Picard's connection to France and his family. He's the last one of his family. It harkens back to the fact that the last relatives, you know, his relatives died in a fire or something. Thing. So he's yeah. always having that regrettable, I have no family, I have no children thing that kind of follows through the season, I would say, with some, you know, romantic interests here or there. But by the time we get to the third season, which is, I think was the best one, it kind of circles back to his family is his friends. And that is yeah. something that they're kind of trying to tell you is that your family doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, blood. It, it could be blood it could be the people you, you work with and you like and you get along with and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the, and the Kirk era touched on that a little bit, too, with McCoy and Spock. McCoy and, and, and Spock, And those guys yeah. were Kirk's, Kirk's family because he had no real family family at that point in his life. So when I heard that there was going to be a full-blown reunion in of, yeah, of, the third of season. Act- of actors and characters. Now, nobody explained what or how. Now, I never expected it. Okay, the gang's coming back together and we're going to you know, have a regular like Star Trek movie. But I feel like it was better than even I hoped. It was better, <laughs> yeah. than, it was better than I anticipated or expected because I, I almost at that point expected very little because of how they did the first two seasons and how a lot of the other franchises have gotten the gang back together and they never get it back together the way we had wanted. There's always either a different point of view, what they want to do, or we're just not satisfied because we have too high expectations or something like that. We basically got a 10-hour movie, you know, (laughs) out of this. And I watched that. I watched that at the edge of my seat each week like I was watching 
part of the movie, and I just had to... Yeah. Now, before we get into deep territory of season three, I would also like to mention that they did manage to give you an Easter egg appearance of Wesley Crusher at the end of the second season, I think. That's right. Now, he was that, what, wanderer? He became the watcher, wanderer, or something like that, right? He's, traveler, yeah, he's traveler. One- the travel he's one of the travelers now but now they did it pretty smart because obviously you can't have him be within the show for a set amount of time because it's almost like having superman in the show yeah. he has these super incredible powers that he kind of doesn't want to deal with them because he's he's like a higher being now but he came to kind of say i think didn't he say hi to the girl that was also he had no parents or whatever yeah and he she, brought her she had, into that world into that into that whole it. thing yeah now tell me about the just real quick about the travel he became the Traveler in the original Next Generation series. Yes. But with this season, yeah, the fact that, okay, the whole gang's getting together, great. The look of the show, the show had no opening. The opening got kind of pushed to the end of every episode, which was kind of cool. And it's it, right off the bat, and again, I can't go into all these Easter eggs because there's way too many of them, but there were certain things. I remember I was texting you, and I was like, oh my God, they did this. The fonts that they use in the beginning are the more or less the Wrath of Khan blue fonts yep. that say in the 25th century, you know, and it's like, oh my God, this is, and it had the feel, it had the music was there. The music, the feel, the ships became, now the ship, oh my God. the ships in the first two seasons, while there was hints of ships, this was still part of the era where they really couldn't go too crazy showing because other copyrights were being borrowed yeah. from each other. That's why the Enterprise theoretically look different in Strange New Worlds and Discovery. That being said, well, we don't have to get into all those politics. That kind of eventually worked its way back to one CBS Paramount uh, family, and that wasn't as much of a problem anymore. But to me, again, the ships, the Enterprise, there were rumors by the showrunners that were saying Terry Metalis, Metalis, is that his name? That was, he, he was saying that there's going to be enterprises. He didn't say what. He didn't say where. He didn't say. He yeah. didn't want to ruin anything. And I'm like, good enough for me. That lets. And, and then there was a rumor or a hint or little picture in one of the original trailer teasers of the F. And now, while it became too obvious that okay, they're probably not going to be on the F right now. It's not like the F took over suddenly for the E, and they're all gang is on that. But it's going to at least be seen. We're going to know what happened next, sort of. And that made it very uh, intriguing for me and very attractive to me. And I watched every little one of those L cars in the ending. And, and, I, <laughs> yeah. and I stopped and I read. And then the people would say, oh, this was that. And they show this. And that meant that. And I would follow all that. And I didn't want to tell you yet. But I had a little high hope of a couple of surprises right from that L cars. That's, it's at least existed. These, these things existed. Even if they never show me, I know now how you know, it didn't just get you know, blown up or lost or something like that. And uh, in that particular case, it was a museum setting. Well, some of the other things I, I noticed, again, that to me was like, oh, my God, they did it perfectly. The space docks, uh, Starfleet space dock, space station, that's right out of Star Trek they II. They just it's, made it's them like, modern and bigger. It's it was, incredible. It made, it made sense. There's a sequence where they're hiding from the bad guys in the nebula, and they even grabbed, I think, some of the James Horner music in the yes, background yes. and the sound effects of the of like the submarine kind yep. of sound effects. They that Paid, like, they oh paid homage to Jerry Goldsmith. They paid homage to James Horner. And I feel like there was even a few other cues from Next Generation stuff and other other eras of Star Trek that may not have been oh. part of the Next Generation 
per se, but it involved either if a character showed up, they had like a little bit of a, a cue. Well, uh, Commander or, Shelby was like an admiral or something at yeah. one point, and she was from the from the and, and uh, those next surprises. Gen. How about uh, Ensign Rowe? And, uh, or, and, and whatever she was now. <laughs> and that was a shock because, I mean, we know that actress, these, these people exist, but it yeah. seems that they, they were the not, they were not the ones I would have expected. It was like, oh my goodness, they really did think this out. They really did try. Even Tuvok eventually made Tuvok, a- first he shows up as a changeling, I think, and then he's the real Tuvok at one point because the bad guys here are the changelings returning. Again, these are DS9 baddies, not the next gen baddies. But then we get really the Borg, the actual Borg queen. And one, one little f- interesting fact Apparently, they did use the voice of the same actress that played it in First Contact. But one of the biggest reasons was that the actress... Um, apparently they did use the original actress from First Contact because I don't know if you know this, but the actress... Yes, because the actress that played her on Picard the previous season, I believe... Let me think. Was it Picard? It was Picard. The actress that played the queen, uh, she died. She she was an actress. I forget her name, but she was in Bosch. She she's done a lot of television, and she quickly had a some kind of illness that boom, yeah. she just died. I know Voyager also had a, a queen, and I forget which actress played it in Voyager. Yeah. They I guess they used a sample of her voice at least at first, you know, to be able to deliver the initial lines. Again, we're also dealing with a subplot or it's a very big plot of Picard's son. You know, we've had Picard's son episodes in the past before. They threw in just about everything, and I still don't understand how it did not feel like they were pandering. They threw in Moriarty (laughs) in there, um, too. The way Data and Lore worked themselves out (laughs) was wonderful. The appearance of Riker and Troy eventually showing up and Worf was a shock. I, you know, I knew, you know, you know, these characters are coming, but then when it turned out that it, who Worf was and what his mission was and who, oh, yeah. he, who he was helping, I was like, oh, that's great. This is perfect. It's him. And so all that's happening and just the, right. the feel, the seedy underbelly, the corruption, that sort of stuff didn't feel forced at that time. And again, the Picard son, the familiar aspect, and even how Picard and Riker end up with their little subterfuge on the ship, on the Titan. Now that's something that I have to mention. It's the Titan, but people were upset that it wasn't Riker's Titan. And the era of big Starfleet, let's call it, the era of big government, the era of big Starfleet had been collapsing because of the various uh, incidents around the galaxy and the refugee problem and all that kind of stuff. So what they were doing was using ships' materials. So while this was a new ship, it had many elements of Riker's Titan. So it didn't disrespect that fact. And that's how they used Riker to open the door of uh, his welcome onto that particular ship, even though it wasn't the exact same ship of his. It was a lot of the brains and a lot of the uh, space frames and things like that. That's what they said. So that's why some people had hoped for the real Titan. But I think the producers wanted an enterprise kind of feel, a a constitution class kind of feel. So they even called it the neo-constitution. But whatever they called it, when you saw that ship moving around and the vibe and the nacelles and the neck and the bridge and everything, 
it had that feel of classic Enterprise A type of thing. Now, they also had a character that I wish they would have continued with him, which is Captain Shaw. Yeah. I think his name was. He turned out to be a real bastard, but he turned out right. to be a, a hero. He was a great character. Now, what I remember, what I to me, what he reminded me was of Captain Jellicoe, if you remember Ronnie Cox uh-huh. playing that complete bastard that we all hated for like an episode or two. And, you- and then we kind of like him because we realized that he's really, you know, he's a tough guy, but he's a tough guy for a reason. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. He, I thought he was going to really be a thorn in every side, and then I thought at some point, well, either he would die or whatever the situation was. But what his outcome is, you know, it was satisfactory. Yeah. Another cool Easter egg that I picked it up right away was at some point when they're coming back home, I guess they're talking to the president of the Federation, and we only hear the voice, and it's identified as... Anton Chekhov. Yep, and that's and that's it's honoring, honoring Anton Yelchin, who obviously died tragically, a, a bizarre yeah. like a car accident yep. or something. But it's Walter Kanin's voice, so that's kind of cool. And you know, I had said to a friend recently, as recently as the past year, that they better find a way to use Shatner and record things, come up with lines that may be working, or just record his voice like James Earl Jones did. So <laughs> they can do a future episode or something with Shatner and Walter. And it turned out to be, there it is. It was, it was sort of like my mind was red and they worked him in somehow and it's totally fine. We even get a final cameo by Q once again, even though Q, we thought he was completely out of the picture on the previous season. He kind of has come back <laughs> to wreak havoc on the uh, Picard bloodline, I guess. Well, the whole coming together of the crew, and I guess we can get into a bit of a spoiler. It's not a new episode. It's the whole manner in which the crew come together and the loving recreation of, I guess, can we say the Enterprise D was, that was like, I wish I could have felt what they were feeling when they entered that world because the behind the scenes people went out of their way to make that as exact as they could, and the actors themselves did show it that they're they belong there. They felt it felt right. Yeah, it didn't feel stupid. It's like okay, it's the real saucer, and then Jordy was you know was a guy who was uh, resourceful and was able to prepare it with another uh, hull, and uh, I loved it. I, I was thrilled, and then the modern use of uh, technology to show that ship moving was way more exciting than Next Generation ever could be without sullying that reputation of those special effects. You know what I'm saying? It had movements that we could never have imagined in 1987 when the show came out. Yeah, the way they refurbished the D was excellent. And then again, spoiler alert, you're going to get spoiled. By the end, when we see the Enterprise G, and I'm always expecting an Enterprise-looking ship because that's kind of how they always went. And no, it's a refit of the Titan. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with it. I uh, I had no no problem. I'm a little surprised it was that way, but that ship became a hero character in this what was it ten episodes? Yeah, it it, it yeah. didn't feel wrong at the end. It didn't feel. It actually felt as about the same as it was when suddenly the Enterprise blew up and then the Enterprise A turns up. Yeah, you know, everybody's yeah. thinking again. Everybody's thinking it's going to be the Excelsior style or it's going to be the Excelsior they're getting. And that's the future of the. No, they use this ship, so this ship can go right. forward. Or if it doesn't, we have a new another new Enterprise, and I'm very happy. I saw the A. I saw the D, the 
F, the E was mentioned, the G, and there was even the Excelsior in there, yes. as well as the Bird of Prey and the and a Constitution class that wasn't the Enterprise, obviously. They went back to the looks of stuff that I hold very dear to me and that are Star Trek to me. And so, again, we didn't feel pandered to. I'm sure some did, but I didn't. And I felt yeah. fine by the end of how it all... And I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to end. I wanted to keep going. I know. And keep in mind, we're two ships away from the J. So... I'm not going to tell you that you can see the evolution of the ship because you don't see it yet. In other words, the J, first of all, it's supposed to be a humongous, humongous size ship, and it's not a perfect circle. It's a very weird oval-shaped disc, and you could say, all right, they, they got to get away from the circle to start working your way towards a different shape. So this could be the beginning of a new shape that leads to the J. And these ships... You know, it, because of the way things went and the way the shows were written, probably the E could have gone longer. Probably the F could have gone longer, and that's supposed to be retired now, so there's a G. Yeah, these other things, getting to the J, there could be in the future an era where there's no enterprise for, you know, they wait, something heroic, you know, for... So who yeah. knows if we'll ever live to see that or if the writers will ever embrace that ship for real. All that's fine to worry about in the future. I'm thrilled with where we're at here. Yeah. Now, let's also briefly touch upon one more thing Star Trek related, which is kind of off to the side in a way, but I think know, it's it, kind of weird. it's coming more into the mainstream than we thought it would ever. Well, one show is Lower Decks, which is now on its second or third season. I think we just had at least our third. And from what I understand, the style of the show, I love the show, but I, I don't have a reference to it in terms of, I'm told it's a Rick and Morty style of animation of characters i never watched rick and morty so to me it was, it's all brand new yeah i didn't either but i understand that was a more modern style you know and i took to that show instantly i didn't watch it right away because i was afraid mm -hmm. i was really afraid but i once i did and i saw the stories and the references and the characters and to me it was season eight or nine, let's say, of The Next Generation. <laughs> because stuff that happens in there is a direct sequel to The Next Generation movies, and some <laughs> of it that's in there pays homage to the Kirk era and anything. You know, They really find a way to work everything in in a good way without shoehorning it in. And they're able to have fun, too, with some of the characters that are clearly caricatures of characters in the Star Trek world and other properties. Yeah. They've tried to, you know, find a way to make fun of Tron in a way, and they found a way to make fun of the Star Trek world and to make fun of even other franchises here and there with a couple throwaway lines. And I've really loved it. And, I, and the seasons are too short for that, too. <laughs> and Riker was a surprise character in the first season of that. And all of a sudden, he was yeah. he was so fantastic. And, and obviously, you know, he's always welcome. But it was like, that's where the real Titan made its canon debut yes. and then now i think that show is about right. as canon as it can get even though it's a cartoon but right. it's, it, there it was so people got the their that titan too it's great and again if you're old time trek person the amount of references and the amount of callbacks and even storylines that are like oh my god they're going back to that old episode and they talked about this or that you know it's completely yeah, full they of even it. made fun of characters from the original star trek animation series and made and the mugatu and they did a mugatu episode that it's practically x-rated as far as i'm concerned they brought a bunch of stuff in from the animated show it's just very very exciting very well done and since you mentioned that 
the tie-in of that and a live action version, the actual voice actors will play themselves in the strange, yes, new, the, the lead strange new world yeah. present season, the most recent season that will show up. So it's like really Star Trek had a period in the past 10, 15, 20 years of feeling lost or almost being lost and not what everybody wanted. So I'm feeling like right now it's a resurgence. It's almost like another, you know, I don't know if it's a golden age, but it certainly certainly feels good to be a fan and to be able to see things that we wanted or we we might not have thought it's going to end up this way, but we feel good about what they thought of. I remember we were talking about, I think it might have been around the 50th anniversary of Star Trek that we were like, oh my God, they're really yeah. not doing anything special for the 50th anniversary. It was almost like, eh, yeah, here's Star Trek Beyond, yeah. but we don't really know what to do and uh, the movie might not be that good to everybody. So good luck to y'all. Enjoy the anniversary. Yeah, it seems like it's a little late, but it's it's really paying off in, in, in good dividends. Yeah, at this point, the 60th is coming. Realistic, <laughs> realistically, the 60th of the franchise being born is 64, but being alive on air, as we know, the original series would be uh, 2026. Yeah. We're within one to yeah. three years of real, another big anniversary, kind of like Doctor Who is having and James Bond had and a couple of these other franchises we love. So I feel like it hit its stride, hit its new modern stride at the right time. The other show that premiered, uh, I don't know, maybe about a year or a year and a half ago, initially, I think it was on, I think it was like Nickelodeon, one of the Nick channels, was Star Trek Prodigy, which is another animated show, completely different style than the uh, Lower Decks, more of a CGI-y kind of, you know, a Pixar-y kind of style. But it was aimed, I think, at even younger yeah, kids. And I like that they did this. Look, it wasn't for me. I checked it out as a as a property, but I never really watched the yeah. episodes. And Janeway was yeah. the lead, one of the lead characters as a it hologram. It wasn't enough to draw me in, but I do respect the fact that they tried to get kids to check out Star Trek as a as a property, as a brand, as a uh, as a series, as you know, an entryway in with this with these characters. Because again, people in our age group and people who are kids and teens are not going to have the same feel about stuff. So you've got to aim it towards what the trends that they like. You know, it's like the same thing with MTV. There were people who loved the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, and MTV was a whole different thing, and and then brought them all together. This is the same feeling I'm having with uh, Prodigy. But sadly, uh, go ahead and say it. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, yesterday I think the announcement was made that they were not going to renew the the series, so I don't think we're going to get another season of it. So, okay, I guess that's that's unfortunate, but there's plenty of other stuff around. Like we mentioned earlier, Strange New Worlds just started the second season. I absolutely love the first season. Everything that we hoped that they would do, they did. And not only that, but they addressed, you know, his fate. The fact that he will eventually get yeah he's got you know, premonitions uh, or uh, actual uh, you know, almost like he almost experienced uh, it critically hurt and the connection to that planet that he will eventually most likely have to go to to live the rest of his life away from the pain of that chair that he has to <laughs> that we all know that eventually he's going to end and, up in it's really cool and in that episode which was very lovingly done if anybody watched it with the eras of with the, with the yeah with the with the old uh, with the maroon yeah, the maroon the old, the old, uh, stuff. but i have to say <laughs> i was very nervous about this part but they introduced kirk james kirk in it and it didn't yeah. it didn't annoy me like i thought it would and it, it this kirk could be a precursor to him he was heroic but he also was younger and i could i could yeah. feel like 
they could get to him. And if Strange New Worlds ends on a high note and they wanted to try to do more with this Kirk and Uhura and Spock never and introduce other classic characters again with new actors, I probably at that point will have adapted to it because there will be more Kirk this season. And as long as they don't find a way to you know stick it to him or ruin him, then <laughs> I think we'll be okay. But I think the one thing we have to mention is, and there's no, by no means is it likely, yes. is the uh, so-called Star Trek Legacy series that I would love to have that as well, which would be a continuation oh. with Seven of Nine and I suppose Picard's son. And yeah. And I've recently even heard Patrick Stewart said, and I know Riker and a few other actors are always up for it, that they might like to do more if they could find a way to get those in, either as part of that legacy. A final yeah, film. Yeah, it just he said that. And it's like, well, I don't know yeah. if the world if Star Trek can make enough money that the cost it would take to make a final film, you and I would, and so many people would. I'm just not sure if after this series, if maybe they can't do it now, this was it, this was that, and then at least just use these characters in some way in the future property or a combination of them and the new guys that they've established. Because that new crew that's on the G some of those actors and actresses were very appealing. You know, there was a, a new Helms person. There was other people on the crew that I think have potential to be a, a great new future crew that we could adapt to. And that's fine. I'd rather it go forward than to always keep going backwards, but include the past. The only other thing I, I want to mention is that they also did announce that hopefully starting next year, they'll start shooting yet another series called Starfleet Academy. This is something that's yeah. been talked about for a long time, and it it looks like they might give it that final push that we need for them to go in that direction. This goes back to Harvey Bennett, and I'm not even a little bit interested in this. And I didn't like it back then. I thought it was a cheap way to do Star Trek 90210. <laughs> and I feel like now they've really gone in the right direction. The fans like... Why take a chance? And if they could find a way to take those, make that just again, make that a little movie, of, a Star Trek movie event or something, however they want to do it on Paramount Plus, like Disney and Marvel do sometimes with those characters on Disney Plus. But I don't want a series of Starfleet Academy. I just don't. I want them to go forward with these characters and stories that they just established that are powerful. The only thing I wish they would tap into with a show like Starfleet Academy is one of my favorite Next Generation episodes, actually, that was called Lower Decks, which was about the lives of these cadets, you know, lower tier well, members. That's which, what again, Lower Decks is. If you, that's what Lower Decks is, but this is a, you know, it's a comedy. Yeah. But this was a very serious episode, and you see, like, these are very innocent cadets and, like, the serious things that happen to them, you know, as part of their training or they're they're becoming more seasoned starfleet officers we'll hope for the best but that's not something i would be looking forward to or gravitating to on day one it's more um i'm going to focus on strange new worlds like i i had been uh, my new plan of attack on watching shows is let a couple air 
and then I can watch a few in a uh-huh. row if there's arcs or something, and then I have them. I know you say you don't like to binge. You want to do it. No, I, I like to go one at a time. I like, for instance, like when Andor had three episode arcs, I waited a little bit, and I, well, actually, I lie. I, Andor, I couldn't stop myself from watching. It was so good, but some of the other shows, I'm trying to do it in sections, so I get like two or three episodes and feel like I'm more immersed into it. But with Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, I want to watch it by the weekend of when it comes out. And if they do a a legacy, I'll be into that, I'm pretty sure, too. One little bonus topic I want to throw out here before we wrap things up is that in case you guys are interested, if you haven't been following it, if you remember, we were big fans of the Eagle Moss Star Trek collection that Eagle Moss went under and they stopped selling everything, you know, a while back. And now Master Replica is basically unloading whatever stock was left. Some stuff is stuff that wasn't even released on time. However, it is tough to really get yourself in there because they do like they make an announcement like today for something that's happening two weeks from now. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense how they're doing it. I wish they would give the fans more. Yeah, and uh, apparently they are kind of spreading out the stock because I was able to pick up the Titan which is something I was looking for. But then I was trying to get the Enterprise, oh my God, the F, I think. And I couldn't get it. I was on it for three seconds and it sold out. I couldn't even click on it. Apparently there are more coming. If you don't get it, I know a guy who might be able to help you out. (laughs) Well, apparently in August, there's going to be another wave of Fs coming. So I'm going to try to, and there's two different ones apparently. One is like a a video game version. One is the online version with black black and white. And the other one is more like the grayish and white. Grayish, military steel, navy steel type of uh, color. I know you really, really, really want the Cerrito and I keep looking as much as you look. Oh and I God. can't even find them on the secondary market. I can't find it on the third dairy market. It's just nobody who has it is selling yeah. it yet. And whoever sells them, they, they're trying to triple the price or whatever, like $150, $200. Like, nope, sorry. No, no, no. It's a shame they didn't make it in the smaller scale. I think they went straight to Excel. So it's like, even if it was brand new, it would cost anywhere from 50 to $70 probably. So, but anyway, this is just a little bonus Star Trek uh, collecting item. Can I give one more bonus bonus on top of that Ooh, since you brought up the F? Which one? A quick follow-up to our most recent Lego episode that oh. involved a lot of talk of Star Trek ships. I, since that episode recorded and aired, found, and trust me, to me, this is a big deal because I want, I always feel like I have to have one of every Enterprise. <laughs> I, well, I found through dubious or not so dubious international means <laughs> an enterprise f lego and it's around the same scale as the ones that we had talked about that i found that it'll fit with what i yeah. have and kind of not be too big or too small and i'm pretty excited i won't get it for a couple more weeks but i'm very excited that i was able to find that because that i had the g i found the, the titan oh really well is, hold on you you have a titan or a g Or it's the same thing. Well, the Titan from Picard turned into the G. So I bought it as the Titan. There's no labels on it. There's no names on it because they're Legos. So I bought it from the website as the Titan. And it turned out I bought it as the Picard season started. And by the end of the season, I had built it. And it turned into the G. And I was like awesome i have it already so well I, I have an eagle most titan but it says titan on it so i guess i can't i have to scrape off the word titan and put enterprise g on it <laughs> you have the one from picard the titan from picard no i think it's you've a got titan. the titan from lower decks and what Riker was the captain of after 
I have the Jeep. I believe so. I believe it. it I have the Lego Neo Constitution looking because the, the was, Titan, I believe, also did that dual thing where they they put out two versions of the Titan. One is a more of a video gamey kind of version, and the yeah. other one is a more realistic they, version. They, Eagle Moss is already dead, so there's no Eagle Moss Jeep. But there is always Hallmark, which keeps breaking my heart every year because they keep ignoring oh. all the new stuff. Well, this year, good thing you brought up Hallmark because this year seems to be a downer. I'm sure there's nice stuff for some people, but ship-wise, I was under. I was. It's coming out probably within the next couple of days from when this episode airs. But I'm underwhelmed, and it should have been to tie in with Picard Oof. and the uh, lower decks. Even it should have been a, a yes. The Cerritos is on the air, and yeah, it's alive. Give us a Cerritos, it, or or it should have been to tie into Picard and have a G, or something retro that would yeah. be something that's important to what's happening right now and it feels like yeah I, I i gotta i gotta be honest with you what is the ship i can't even remember no i don't remember i i remember you you sent me the catalog and i looked at it and i was like next <laughs> yeah and i totally forgot and that's just sad that just shows it's basically not something overwhelmingly great because we wouldn't have forgotten it because we are just as into that as we are all the other stupid things we buy. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed James' visit today and we did catch up, I would say, with our Star Trek fandom, uh, not only with the show itself, and it's a great thing that we're right in the middle of Strange New Worlds right now, and we gave you a little bit of our uh, Eagle Moss and Hallmark disappointments and acquisitions. And before you know it, it'll be time to do another Star Wars episode because we oh. have to talk about all the new stuff that that brought out in the past couple months. We have so much stuff. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'd like to thank James for joining me today to help me go over all of these Star Trek properties that are out there. There are so many of them and so many of them are so good that I can't wait to see what's coming out next. We know we have a few more shows that we talked about that are in the works. We'll see what direction they take. Right now, Strange New Worlds is the one that's, you know, chugging along in terms of hitting all the right marks. And we have Discovery coming up very soon, the final season, plus all the new stuff that's in the works. Can't wait to see it and can't wait to have James return and help us sift through some of this information. So on behalf of everybody here, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon here at Geek Fest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. You're going to start the engine sometime soon, Erica? (laughs) Don't worry. I did this a hundred times during the war. It's like riding a bike. I sense a tension, the feeling that something's in the air. Oh my God. Our job puts us up against death. And we might not like it, but we do have to face it. Hold on to your saddles. We are explorers. It's easy to forget how awesome that is. That's the mission. It's what we love most. I have this crazy theory. I love a crazy theory. What does this mean? I don't know. Shut up. Do you know the odds of all of us being here at this time? It's improbable. 
And yet, here we are, together. Surprise! Live long and prosper, Mr. Wendler. I'll, you also live and... If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone. Copyright 2023. <laughs>